Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Everyone poops. There's a book about it. Here in Siem Reap, Cambodia, there's a blog that will direct you to the best nearest public toilet, which incidentally is the preferred English word for a bathroom here in Asia. Most people don't plan their holidays around trips to the toilet, but the experience is undoubtedly, and not always pleasantly, an unavoidable experience on every trip to Asia. Today we're going to share some of our experiences, offer a few tips to help you navigate the water closets of Asia, and hopefully give you a good laugh in the process. I'm Trevor Ranges in Siem Reap, Cambodia, and with me once again is Scott Coates. Hi Trevor, I'm in Bangkok, and this one has been toyed with quite a number of times. And I think we've made a few references to interesting toilet experiences. And then you and I, once we stopped recording, would talk about one or two and maybe thought things about toilets and semi-gross stories was a bit too much. And then we thought, you know what? We have some good tips about using toilets, about trying to avoid using toilets and just some downright kind of embarrassing and funny stories along the way. Yeah, you know, this one's funny because, yeah, I think in like several of our tantalizing travel tales or a few of those types of episodes, you had like a number of really funny toilet stories and and i'm like there, there's more so i'm like excited to hear what else you yeah. got otherwise you know like i again i can't i can't force myself to come up with examples for show notes sometimes like we'll have a topic and i'll i'll just rack my brain and i can't think of it but i imagine like you know after 20 years each here in asia and having to use the bathroom at least once a day probably on average um, there's definitely a, a few stories that I'm not remembering, and there's almost certainly going to be a toilet stories too. Yeah, there's going to be some surprising things, some educational things. And I was sort of thinking, okay, so in my very early years in Asia, what were a couple of those first surprising toilet experiences? And two come to mind. I think it was in 94 that I maybe did a year long trip, and the first stop was in Japan. And when I first encountered those incredible Japanese toilets that are kind of famous now with a bajillion buttons on them. I mean, some of them will play sound effects so people next to you can't hear them. There's heated seats. There's a little arm that comes out and you adjust it to then spray up, I guess, depending on if you're a female, if it's the front bit or the back bit that needs it. I remember that was kind of surprising. And then another one in a similar trip, I think it was 94, 95, was I was visiting uh, my friend Dan here and I was in the men's toilet and what looked definitely like a woman came in in a short skirt and I learned lady like, oh, this is a lady boy and there's tons of lady boys in Thailand who generally go to the female bathroom. But for whatever reason, this one person came to the male one and actually just hoisted up her skirt and took a pee in the urinal. So that was a bit of a surprise to me. How about you? Yeah, you know, I think it's like the firsts. There's a lot of different firsts maybe that we're going to be covering here. You mentioned the Japanese toilets. I didn't get to experience one of those until maybe like the early 2000s. And it was winter in Japan. And, and I remember like, wherever it's winter, when you have to go to the toilet, it's always like, oh, 
here comes cold seat. But no, the Japanese had heated seats. <laughs> so that was the beginning of like many years later realizing that, you know, in many ways, the Asian toilet experience is better than the American toilet experience. But a couple other firsts that were confusing for me. I first traveled to Asia in 96. So the first time I saw a squat toilet, that was a little bit confusing. Um, mm. The first time I stayed in a place up in Laos where they didn't have any running water in the bathroom. And that was a bit of a stumper that maybe Ooh. we'll touch on a bit later. Uh, but my first big surprise was in uh, 96 in Chiang Mai when uh, when I got the, you go to, while you're urinating, a, a man will come up and start massaging you. And, uh, and then you're supposed to tip them yeah. for massaging you while you pee. So I think uh, in general, like uh, expect the unexpected because uh, there's a lot of surprising things that, that occur in toilets here in Asia. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll share one of my tips right now is that I think you got to go in prepared and committed because if you decide you need the toilet badly enough to walk in some of these toilets, it may be... You can tell from the surroundings, it's not going to be great. You got to be committed when you go in there. But just before we get into more crazy stories about toilets, want to thank Wiley. Wiley is a patron and Wiley likes his show so much that he sponsors it. Every month he's a patron. You can click donate in our show. And not only does Wiley get a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, but he gets extra episodes that Trevor and I record, maybe chatting, or sometimes we shoot a visit. Uh, or sometimes we shoot a video like recently we shared one of me cycling through some of Bangkok's back lanes and showing some key sites. So be like Wiley, become a patron and you'll get that fuzzy feeling and some extra bits in between the regular episodes. So Trevor, how are we going to theme or approach this exploration of toilet experiences? I'm going to follow your lead. You seem to be the expert in the topic. And so uh, okay. I'll, I'll let you go ahead with your first one and then I'll come up with something maybe similar that might have happened to me elsewhere. Okay. On the weekend, I was trying to think of things that have happened that were freaky, that were shocking, and where some of the most exotic spots were. And so immediately Tibet popped into my head. So I think it was back in about 2006, uh, three friends and myself cycled from uh, Lhasa, Tibet to Mount Everest Base Camp and onwards to Kathmandu. And there's a few stories from that trip that come out here. But I remember visiting the Potala Palace where the Dalai Lama used to live, like a pristine spot, right? You're in a postcard and a few of us had to go to the toilet. And then you find your way to the toilet and all they were, it was like a big wooden deck kind of hanging off the back of the Potala Palace quite high up and a, like a, a cut in the wooden floor that was maybe who maybe six inches wide or like a hundred centimeters or no, maybe 20 centimeters wide, not very and long. And you just sort of had to pee in that slot. Or if you were doing the number two was just sort of aim it and hope it dropped through there. And you could kind of see some people kind of using the number two. (laughs) Yeah. And it would drop like 50 meters onto the stones below, which I mean, I guess the Patala Palace has been around for hundreds of years and they haven't upgraded the toilets. But I mean, that was one of the more exotic locations. And then just a couple more. I remember on that trip, someone telling us that all across China, you're often can be in a, in a, like a poo room where there's just one big open room with squatters and people squatting over the toilets, but like no doors or walls around you. And then 
I'll share one more on this one. Our good friend, I'm going to name him too, because he wouldn't mind. Derek Van Pelt was on that cycling trip through Tibet. And we had a crew that would help set up camp and cook meals. And we were a couple days from any proper hotel and we were camping. And in the morning, you'd sort of find a, a stone to try and hide behind, but to do your business. And our friend Derek found a big one and he was quite pleased that he had gotten it before us. So if you can imagine, he's kind of got his hands behind him on the rock leaning while doing the number two and the the rock breaks. It's kind of sandstone and he slipped and fell in his big pile of soft poop. And the lucky thing was that every night camping, we were not close to anything. It just happened. This particular site was next to a little hot spring building, but he had to pay $20 to go in and just use the shower and clean up. Yeah, it was worth every penny, but uh, he was very fortunate. So there's a few exotic locations and a bit of grossness to kick things off. Yeah. You know, that Chinese thing isn't so weird with everybody pooping in the same room because I (laughs) was at the Indianapolis Speedway in Indianapolis, Indiana uh, for the Indy 500 and the toilets there. They didn't have any stalls. It was just a row of people that had to sit and poop next to each other. So that's a thing in America, too. Um, As for Tibet and China with the hole down the cliff, I did have that experience in Yunnan and Yunnan is okay. in the south of china and they have these like spectacular like terraced rice fields it's these huge really steep okay. hillsides and you know in some place that has this spectacular view over the, the countryside uh the toilet on the side of the road there was exactly kind of like you said like you had to face away like you're you, you faced with your back to the mountains uh, you're in a little room anyway but the toilet had a hole mm-hmm. that just went straight down through to like you know like 50 meters or something like you said like you're just pooping off the side of the cliff uh, right there <laughs> with a view of the, the rice fields. So so I've experienced that. But my other kind of exotic location is here in Cambodia. Um, there's a number of floating okay. villages uh, around the lake. The Tonle Sap Lake is the largest lake in Southeast Asia. And on the south side of the lake, there's a village there called Kampong Luang. And it's really quite charming. Uh, it's a floating village. There's people live in floating houses. Uh, there's a floating church that was built by Japanese missionaries. That's really beautiful. There's floating wedding platforms. There's like a floating police station. There's a floating post office. Like it's, it's there's floating vendors that like paddle around from house to house selling whatever toothpaste and stuff you need. Um, and then you got to use the toilet. <laughs> and of course, it's there's a floating toilet. And again, like there's just there's like slats you have to stand on so that you don't fall in the water because there's not like an entire floor but then there's slats for the toilet to sit on and you open the lid up and it's just a toilet sitting right over the lake and you got to poop in the lake yeah Uh, that's it was quite funny but uh, and charming i got a photo of that so hopefully i can find that for the website yeah and it's good if you experience that before the guide asks you if you'd like to go swimming in the or or have the fish for lunch yeah yeah that's right Look, my next category, and I'm looking at what it is now. I'm sort of shuddering that I'm willing to share this, but this is under a category called not convenient, I have termed it. And these are two toilet stories that happened within eight kilometers of one another, separated by about under an hour. And so it was the same trip that I just mentioned through uh, Tibet, and we were making our way onwards to Kathmandu. And so we had this day where you drop something like 1500 meters or more from Tibet down towards the border with Nepal. And we were in the last kind of town or city before you enter Nepal. And it's this 
kind of sprawling Chinese town on the side of a really steep mountain. And there's a probably a kilometer long string of trucks, transport trucks on either side waiting to pass customs. And our truck with all the supplies had to wait too. So we were stuck there for about an hour and a half. And my stomach was not good at all. And I'm in all the biking clothes. And at some point I have an accident and like I get a fair amount in my biking shorts and I know I have a spare pair of biking shorts, but I got to find them in this line of trucks. And I kind of had to tell all our three buddies were with and, and the one guide what had happened. And I'm sort of walking carefully to not hopefully let it get out of my shorts. Everyone's laughing. We find the truck. I managed to get in. I managed to get the new pair of shorts out and I think some a towel or something. And then there's nowhere to change. Like this is just a road filled with trucks and people. And then there's this little wall, which would be waist high on the side of the road. So I think, well, I'm just going to have to stand behind the wall, but you'll see my upper half. And I go behind the wall and there's just human turds everywhere behind this little wall. So imagine I'm looking at all the cars standing behind this wall and looking at my friends a meter away, laughing, killing themselves. Well, I've got to try and get my soiled tight shorts off and new shorts on. So I managed to do that. It's it's pretty gross. I get them on. And now we know we have an eight kilometer downhill down to Nepal into the customs immigration little house down there. And this is a hairy eight kilometer descent, like along a really, really rough road with a few small waterfalls going over its dirt, its rock. It was a lot of fun, but my stomach starts really kicking into gear as we go through here. And so we get down. We get to the immigration house, which is just a small building in the middle of nowhere. And we lean our bikes up against the wall and we go in and my stomach is like erupting inside. Like there's, there's problems brewing literally. And the guy's looking at my passport. He's, he's asking me questions. And partway through, I ask him like, Hey, do you have a toilet? And he, he kind of points to the, to the side and it's, and I ask him, can I go while you're finishing up with my passport? And he says, yes. And I go in and this is clearly the staff's toilet, but it is just a pretty dirty room with one squatter and a tiny bit of moving water. And I take my full bottoms off and I mean, I explode and it goes off at a 45 degree angle and it sprays the floor and everything well beyond the confines of the squatter bowl. It is absolutely everywhere and there's not enough water to properly clean it up. So I just have to get myself clean and get out of that room, hoping no one wants to go in and there isn't anyone at that moment. And the guy starts talking to me again and I just hustled it. I got my passport and like jumped on my bike and (laughs) rode out of there as quick as I could before. Cause I literally coming into a country, I lace the only toilet that these people have (laughs) to use as my first thing into the country. It was horrific. They're going to, they're going to come after you now. <laughs> mm. It's tricky. I mean, if you're on a cycling trip, that's one thing. You know, for me, if we're talking about inconvenience, uh, I think we talk a bit about it later in the show, but like uh, I try to prevent inconvenience. Uh, you know, it's, again, I'm not like, I don't want to tell people they're crazy who don't want ice or never eat ice when they're on vacation in Asia, you know, but like I, I won't eat much the night before I'm going on a long travel day or the morning I'm going to leave on a long travel day. I don't eat a lot. I try to like prevent having to use the toilet when I'm on the road or in between destinations, just because 
there's too many quote unquote inconvenient toilets, if you know what I mean, you know? Yeah. So yeah, even like using some buses and trains have toilets, but those are rarely much better, you know, and you can't escape that necessarily. Mm -hmm. If we're telling other people's stories, I remember my buddy Albert, uh, the first time he visited Thailand, I think he was coming up from Suratani, but he was on one of those like 12 hour buses. And, uh, I think like Ooh. he'd already used all the toilet paper up. He just, he like, I think he was like of the 12 hour train ride he or bus ride. He was in the toilet, like six of those hours. And at one point he realized like that he'd used, there was no toilet paper left. And he just like shit all over the place basically like you did i think <laughs> you know yeah i think he was like afraid to leave the he just spent like the last several hours in the toilet and by the time he showed up he looked and smelled like he'd been living on the street for weeks he was like like nasty but yeah like i have been caught off guard before uh my first time in thailand again when i was up in chiang mai that the time i got massaged uh, in the toilet I ate some really spicy, greasy Thai food and my stomach was threatening to erupt and, and I wasn't sure where there was a good safe bathroom available. So I was near the south side of the old city and the moat was there and there was some grass. So I was like, oh, maybe if I just lay down on this grass and relax in the shade of this tree, I can just like meditate and my stomach will calm down, you know? So I lay down in the grass and instantly like my first experience with red ants. And red ants are brutal oh. if you've ever been attacked by red ants. I had them all over my back. I laid down on like a bed of like red ants. And like I instantly forgot about my stomach pain, man, because I was I almost jumped into the moat because I was the ants were killing me. Then I thought I was gonna cry. And I was just like, oh my God, at least I didn't shit myself. So <laughs> I'm like, all right, where's the hotel? Made it back to the hotel and just suffered for for another day or two. But yeah, sometimes you get caught off guard and it's not uh, it's it comes from left field. The ants I was not expecting. The answer, definitely an extra hazard that is definitely not necessary. You know, it kind of leads into my next one. And I put at the top, it's too spicy. And this goes back, I think, 23 years ago, almost in my first year in Thailand. I was in uh, Mesai, which is the northernmost point in Thailand, bordering Taki, like in Myanmar across. And the night in Mesai, my friends and I had eaten at just a street side little table with someone with a walk and the dishes we had were tasty but still to this day some of the spiciest thai food i have ever had and the next morning we cross into Myanmar and we're sort of walking down the initial first drag and i just start to get these gurgles and pains and eruptions starting to happen like there is low-grade warfare starting to happen in my stomach it wasn't quite a roundabout, but it was sort of where roads came together. And all of a sudden, it was just like somebody punched me in the lower stomach. And I knew I suddenly had this vision of a 60-second clock counting down. And I just broke out into immediate cold sweats. And I was looking around, and I see a little restaurant. And so I just almost run in there, and I see some soft drinks. So I just order a Coke, because I think I got to buy something. And then I said, where's your toilet? And they said, we don't have a toilet. No. And I just turned <laughs> no and I ran out of the restaurant. And now the clock's down to about 30 seconds. And my face must have said it all <laughs> because this younger girl standing in another establishment just looked at me and sort of nodded and pointed inside. And I bolted in. I ran into that toilet and I just 
barely made it. But I remember there was no soap at the end and it was a bucket flush and stuff. But at that point, I didn't care. I, I literally would have absolutely blast soiled myself. And that I, I love the fact that my face must have said it because that younger girl just looked at me and pointed inside. And so it saved me. But the point is, if you eat a lot of spicy food the night before, carry some TP the next day, some hand sanitizer and be ready because that can really pass through you. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was picturing when, when that girl saw your face and she pointed because I'm thinking it's Thailand. <laughs> I was thinking like you'd run towards the toilet and it would be one of those carousels that you have to put like five bot coins in in order to get into the bathroom. Because <sighs> that's another thing they have in Thailand. Yeah. They have like coin op uh, toilets, right? In like night markets and stuff. And if you didn't have the exact change, you'd be like, oh my God, oh my God, like begging people for five bot to get through. <laughs> so make sure you've got some five bot mm. coins in your pocket too, just in case. Yeah, I totally agree. Sometimes, yeah, if I'm going to eat some like really like greasy wok, spicy Thai food sometimes, like you should be prepared. Like I wouldn't even order that if I didn't already have like some TP in my bag and a little hand sanitizer sometimes, or at least know that like, okay, let's scope this place out and let's see where the toilet is before I order this. Just cause yeah, sometimes it's just going to wreck you and you better get going. I have two more really embarrassing ones. One, which is reasonably recent. Uh, I'm putting this one under going to local and one goes back before the Tibet trip, we were in Kathmandu to start, and we were scheduled just to kind of do a few hours mountain biking on the, the outsides of Kathmandu along the Valley Rim. And the night before, we ate a dalbat and some food that was pretty local. And I remember somebody saying, like, oh, are you okay with this? I'm like, I live in Thailand. <laughs> and then when we were out on that bike ride, we stopped for a tea. And, and same theme, my stomach was in pain. There was a little outhouse, and I went in the outhouse, and had massive diarrhea. And then I looked to like bucket flush it and there was absolutely no running water and the toilet was full. And I'm, I'm just mortified because I think like there's nothing I can do. And as I open the door to go out, there's a local woman standing right there to use the toilet. And I just kind of looked at her and with my eyes tried to co convey a deep sense of sorry and, and regret. And she went in and, and we got on our bikes and left. But the second going to local is in July, 2022. My wife and I came over and motorbiked uh, up along the Mekong river. And then we came and saw you in CM Reap. And I was staying at our friend's uh, Airbnb, which is just on the outskirts of town, but down a back road. And our first morning, I went walking in the back community streets to find food. And there was a little shop selling noodles, busy with locals. And so I got my wife and I both noodles and she was all right, but wow, that night, it started to hit me and I was in and out of that toilet at least 15 times. And I actually went off the bed. I went down to the couch, put a towel under me in case I had an accident. And like you, I ran out of toilet paper, like Albert partway. And as it was getting low, I was like, each time I'd go, I'd try and use like only a couple of squares oh God, it doesn't work and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Through the night, I was just like less and less squares each round. And then I'm, I was starting to get close to running out of drinking water. And I remember, you know, as we're probably at four or five in the morning, I was just down to like half a bottle of water and I'm rationing it. And we were supposed to go uh, mountain biking with you the next day. And we had to modify that to motorbikes and stuff. But I mean, I like to think you can go local and like my wife was fine. So who knows? I mean, a fly could have landed on mine or whatever. But um, yeah, if you get the wrong just, thing, man, it can really weak. throw you off. 
No, but you know, sometimes yeah. you do get food poisoning. Sometimes it happens. And again, like people take so many precautions. Don't ice this. Don't eat street food that. But like, I, I'm pretty sure I got sick at the Marriott once. I've definitely gotten sick from airplane food once. Mm. Sometimes you just get sick. Um, one time I was in Myanmar and I probably shouldn't have done this. I was up at Inlay Lake and I was like on the lake somewhere, not like near the town. And they had like uh, the betel nut you know, and, and like a betel nut, it's like a chewing tobacco okay. kind of like it's, it's this big leaf that they put all this kind of stuff inside. And it was the sauce that got me. They put this kind of like sauce on it. It's some sort of lime mixture that like activates the betel nut that like gets you high or whatever. And I spent the next like couple days just like exploding out both ends, you know, and that's the worst when, <laughs> when you got the shits and you're like puking nonstop, you know? Um, and it, it's brutal sometimes cause we were in like a pretty remote area of Myanmar. This was 2001 or 2002. So like there, you know, like there wasn't like some like get yourself to a nice resort, uh, option. But, uh, a number of years later, I wrote an article for a travel magazine that was about, uh, how to deal with food poisoning. So maybe I'll share a couple of those, uh, tips for you Please. here. I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember all of the tips. Um, but basically like number one is like, whenever you think you're going to start throwing up, like make yourself throw up, never fight it. Like, don't put it off. Like, you know, yeah. you're in trouble. If you're, if you think you're going to puke, like make yourself puke as soon as possible. And then I say like, don't worry about packing. Just like, go and check yourself into a much nicer hotel than you could normally afford. Um, my logic yeah, here is call. that uh, you're not going to spend any money on anything else for the next two days. So whatever your next two days budget is, spend it all on like a mm. nicer hotel, because what you're going to want to do is put yeah. your face on the toilet seat. You're going to want to like lay on the toilet seat that you're going to be like sitting on and then putting your face on. And if it's a super nice, fancy hotel's toilet seat, then that's even better because there'll be like maybe a nice, yes. there's a nice clean toilet floor with a nice fuzzy rug. And then there's nice fluffy towels. So after you take a hot shower or a bath, you have like nice clean towels and nice clean sheets it makes a big difference so just get yourself to a nice hotel as quickly as possible and and then just ride it out like there's room service in nice hotels get yourself like some rice soup and stuff like that um you know send your wife girlfriend partner whomever to to a pharmacy to see what kind of local medicines they can get you or they recommend depending on how sick you are i mean obviously you don't want to not go to a clinic or hospital if you're severely sick, but like for just some, you know, food poisoning those first couple of days to see, you know, you got 24 to 48 hours, probably you're going to be pretty ill. Um, a nice hotel is a good place to, to suffer it. <laughs> yeah. That's a supremely good call. Go nicer than you normally would. The one I'll throw in there is if you can get hydration salts, a lot of uh, pharmacies in Asia will sell little packs for like 25 cents. But if you don't have that, get a bunch of limes and uh, salt and just be squeezing in fresh limes and all kinds of salt and drink that salty water because you're dehydrating. You want to replenish yourself. Bananas, of course, are good, but uh, keep that going. Those are some good, good tips, Trevor. So we're going to get into just, I think, a, a few other little surprises. And we sort of touched on those Japan toilets. I find the little sprayer where it tries to come out and you can adjust the angle. I'd say 50% of the time I've had it spray outside of the toilet. So somehow it goes between my legs and shoots out of the toilet. I just that can't quite that pointing. <laughs> get it to get the pointing down. Okay. You know, we haven't touched on the bum gun at all, which is kind of funny. And you know, when I, uh, I've had two bum guns in 
apartments explode on me like while I was out of town like the because you know if the pressure is too high in your bum gun and you don't have a good quality one sometimes yeah. the, the head blows off of it and then water is like it's like a snake like shooting water all over your place and in some cases for days if you're not in town yeah the the the, the I don't know man speaking of snakes yeah you always read these stories here oh. in Asia about how some snake came up yeah. out of some toilet and bit some guy on the nuts or something like that but at the exo uh, travel the bicycle warehouse here in Siem Reap. There was a snake in the toilet here in Siem Reap uh, for at least a day. Oh. Nobody wanted to go in there. Nobody wanted to get it out. And uh, oh. I didn't like. I I was scared to go in the freaking warehouse. I didn't. There, you know, it was a reasonably good sized snake. I don't know what kind of snake it was, but there's big snakes and there's poisonous snakes. And snakes do apparently like to go in toilets sometimes. So you know, I check sometimes when I'm in some random village toilet I'll, I'll take a look man before i sit down make sure there's no snakes in there yeah and and on that note literally the last couple of years here in thailand there's been a couple stories a year about this so now <laughs> if i'm on anything lower than like floor three i flush the toilet before i sit down i just have to um you touched on the guy giving you a massage in the toilet this used to be a lot more common back a decade or so than it is now but if you're in a semi-seedy place yeah you might just suddenly feel those hands on your shoulder don't freak out. Don't be a jerk. You can kind of nicely say no, but but that's a bit of a shocker. Yep. So why don't we get into a bit of like okay. how to navigate and use toilets, Trevor? Like you touched on the bum gun. I, what's weird is is so many people think it's gross and weird. So your tip on the bathroom massage, if you do happen to experience it, there's two ways I think they're the best way to go about it. Number one is expect it's coming and politely say no, like turn and engage him and be like, no, thank you. You know, and that works sometimes. Sometimes they'll just laugh. And as soon as you start peeing, they'll put the hot towel on your neck and start massaging you anyway. The other thing to do is like, get right up to the urinal and start peeing before he gets to you. Because like, once you're peeing, then the guy starts massaging you like, ah, all right, you can go. But like, sometimes when the guy grabs you before you go, then it's a little trickier maybe to get the flow going. Or so I've heard. Okay. Yeah, if we're going to segue into advice next. Yeah, I mentioned the bum gun earlier. And uh, I don't know that I'm giving advice on, on how best to use it. I know that with that Japanese one that you aim, I, I tend to like play around with the steering buttons before I turn the water on. I think I'll go like and move it back and forward to like figure out like, okay, what position it's in before I turn it on. So I think mm -hmm. that's a good tip. Yeah. And, and I will touch on the bum gun once you mentioned the high pressure is sometimes if you follow the bum gun hose to the, the wall where it's connected to the water, you can actually turn the pressure up or down because yeah. you can like almost blow out an O-ring. Totally. Um, but everyone thinks they're gross, but like, think of it like this, you're washing with the gun and then you're kind of cleaning and drying with a bit of toilet paper. Now, when I go to the parts of the Western world without a bum gun, I just feel so dirty. The other one is the bucket flush. Like if you use a toilet, generally a squatter with no flush system, there's always going to be a big receptacle of water and a small bucket. Now we know no one really likes to touch the bucket, but you don't want to show up and have a present or a surprise in there. So the thing is the bucket flush, put a couple buckets of water down there, leave it clean for the next person. It's just good courtesy. And generally good rule of thumb is most of the toilets in Southeast Asia, those uh, squatters aren't equipped to really deal with paper. So there's generally, you're just throwing your paper and a little waste 
basket, which can kind of be a little gross when it's full. But uh, yeah, I just want to jump in there on the the bucket flush because I think this is one that people have absolutely like no clue how to use. And even like when I first moved to Asia, like it took me a while to figure out how to use a bucket flush. And by that, what we're talking about is uh, there's not like a handle that flushes the toilet. What you need to do is mm-hmm. there's like a, a bin filled with water and a little like hand scoop that has water and you have to fill it up with water and you pour it into the toilet and that flushes the toilet. But what a lot of people will do is they'll just pour it in kind of slowly. They'll like slowly pour water into it. And and that does very little to flush the toilet. What you need to do is create like a suction. Like if you fill up the bucket and you have to pour like the entire contents in like rather like in one big, like just pour it. And then that'll like go through the plumbing system so that it sucks all of the I don't know. It's kind of a technique, you know, like I think people don't know that you got to do it in the one big like sploosh rather than, than gradually pouring it. Right. That's a good one, man. Yeah. You want a good. Cause people just, if you just, if you pour it really slowly, like it, it won't flush and you can keep pouring slowly like 10 buckets and it's still not going to flush. One that I had someone experience when they were with me and they looked mortified when they came out and I've never forgotten about it is that if you're going to squat and do a number two and you can, Take your pants off, take your shorts off, take your underwear off, get all the bottom stuff off and hang it up somewhere. Because if you can imagine when you are squatting, if you don't get that angle right, you might drop the number two right back into your pants, which the person I was with did. And then they had to, of course, kind of end up scooping it out, get it out of their pants. Their undies are soiled. It's, It's a messy affair. So when you, when you can, just get those pants right off so you don't mess up the angle on it. And even if just getting them off is good, because sometimes then when they're down around your ankles, then they touch the wet ground, which is also not very good. Yeah, that's gross. I think that's one of the reasons people are afraid of the squat toilets. And and in part because of like the, the bucket flush and stuff. Lots of times the toilets in Asia are very wet. And, and sometimes wet is good because that means yep. they're cleaning them a lot, you know? So, like, I don't right. know about taking your pants off. Again, like, you know, the first few times I used a squat toilet, I was super nervous that I was going to, like, drop a load, like, right back into my pants, you know? Um, <laughs> but, like, that's not, it's, you know, you just have to, like, make sure you're aiming right and everything. Like, I couldn't take my pants off if I'm wearing shoes because lots of times when I'm, like, on the road, I wear shoes. And, like, I don't want to, like, take my mm-hmm. shorts off or my pants off over my shoes. So, if I have... I've done it before when I'm wearing like flip flops, I'll like take my shorts off and like hang them on the hook just so that, you know, if you're going to be squatting there for a while, sometimes it's just more comfortable not to have shorts on, I guess. Um, But the other thing, like I I do prefer the squat toilet many times when I'm in a dodgy place, just because like sitting on like a toilet sometimes is kind of gross, you know, and sometimes like the shape Mm -hmm. of the bowl is like too small or there, you know, there's too much or too little water. And at least with the squat toilet, you're not touching anything. Thing. It's just your feet and you're squatting and your body doesn't come into contact with like any of the toilet, which, which I kind of like the problem I have a lot of the time is that they don't necessarily have like a hook in the bathroom stall to hang your bag. And like, I'm not going to leave my bag on the bus if I'm like traveling somewhere. So you bring your valuables in with you. And then it's like tricky if you've got like a heavy backpack on and you're squatting like that sucks. So then the other thing to do is like, you can put your backpack on your lap and then sort of hug it (laughs) while you're squatting, which is like the preferred uh, position I I would recommend. 
Um, but I'd almost say like, you know, I have some little hooks that I use in my kitchen and stuff. Like maybe I'll throw one of those hooks in my backpack. So just, just to have it there just in case for future squat toilets where there's no hook to hang my bag. Yeah, there's lots to be worried about. And I know for my wife, definitely, if it's a question between sitting or squatting, she'll always squat and doesn't really want to sit down. And it's, uh, I know there's often some funny signs in some of these toilets about how to use them and not use them, like having pictures more for locals, like don't stand on the seat and stuff. But uh, I think some other good rules of thumb are, you know, carry around those wet wipes, some some definitely good high-grade tissue, some hand cleaner. And, you know, like I said, is is if you're going to go in, going committed, right? You're going to go in, you're going to finish this thing, you're going to get through it, and you're going to live to tell about it. You might have some funny stories like these in the end. Yeah, and just one last one that I find is that, I don't know why, but lots of times people in Asia seem to be less inclined to lock a bathroom door than people in the West do. Like, I've certainly, like, opened more bathroom doors to some startled old lady, like, pooping (laughs) and looking up at me like (gasps) you know so i've really taken to like knocking before i enter any bathroom anymore ever yeah that's a very 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 good tip um you know i think thinking back to these stories i like your approach with the bus and whatnot is that you take it kind of easy the night before so that your stomach is definitely going to be hopefully in a good place before a bus ride or a long train ride or something like that. And I guess the other one is if there was one thing I'd really want people to do is embrace the bum gun. Don't be scared of it. You're, you're squirting, you're washing, you're keeping yourself cleaner. You're being better on the environment. Get to love the bum gun. Yeah. And wash your hands, man. Again, like hand sanitizer is one thing, but you know, lots of times I used to have like, especially when I'm like roughing it, traveling is having a bag of soap just in like a little plastic bag and and, like one of my side Mm -hmm. pockets, just cause like, I just like to wash my hands just cause lots of times you're touching all sorts of gnarly shit all the time, whether it's in the toilet or not, cause maybe there's not soap in the bathroom so everybody who used it they also didn't wash their hands and they're all over the place touching things that you're touching like doorknobs and god knows what so it's always good to wash your hands having a little bar of soap you know like those little travel ones like they in your hotel like steal those little mini soap bars from your hotel that's that little tiny it's like a matchbook size bar of soap and throw those in some of your bags so you can wash your hands when uh, when you're out in the field Yeah, I usually have a little Ziploc for that kind of stuff. Well, this was a funny, at times disgusting, at times embarrassing episode. But I think we delivered a lot of value here from comedy to legit stuff you can use during your trips. And remember, if you enjoy these shows, become a patron, click on donate on the website or just go to patreon.com, search the show name and be like Wiley, who's a supporter of the show and got to see a video of cycling Bangkok's back lanes and top sites. We also record special episodes. Patrons get something in between each of these shows. So become a patron. Yep. Everybody poops, Scott. There's a book about it. Now there's a podcast about it. And it wasn't just clickbait. So happy pooping to you wherever in the world you are. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom and Kevin?